banned wheat exports. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And on Backchat this morning, uh, we're looking into uh, sexual harassment. That's after a survey by the Equal Opportunities Commission uh, suggested that uh, one in eight people had been sexually harassed at work in the past two years. And uh, more men reporting being sexually harassed uh, online than women. Uh, we'll be talking to a couple of guests uh, about that uh, in a moment. Um, just a reminder that uh, the EOC uh, Commission, um, the survey was conducted between March and June last year. Uh, interviewed uh, more than 5,000 residents aged between 18 and 64. Uh, of the, the two most widely reported uh, conclusions were that uh, one in six Hong Kongers had been the victim of online sexual harassment and one in eight respondents, uh, mostly young women, reported experiencing uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. We're joined now by uh, Doris Choi, who's uh, acting head for policy research and training at the Equal Opportunities Commission, and Professor Annie Chan, a board member of the Association Concerning Sexual Violence Against Women. Uh, good morning to you both. Uh, perhaps, uh, uh, Doris Choi, uh, we could come to you first. Hello? Yes, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks th for having me. Good morning. Thanks for joining. Um, so for you, what was the, the, the standout uh, re results from your survey? Um, I think you pretty much sum up some of the very key findings. But uh, I think uh, what's uh, also alarming in this survey is uh, younger women aged 18 to 34, they were almost twice as likely to be sexually harassed at work compared to, you know, one in eight of the overall average. And uh, this uh, could be, you know, uh, they could be uh, summer interns or summer workers, uh, which is also protected under the latest amendment of the law. Is this, good morning, is, is this reflection of, of, of power imbalance? Uh, definitely, I think, uh, because uh, uh, in a way, uh, I think those in the younger groups, they are uh, less experienced at work, and they could also, it could also mean that uh, they are not quite aware of what sexual harassment is, and their rights are, so uh, this could be some of the reasons. Right, so an older boss sort of uh, strongly trying to steer them in the direction that certain favours are expected or something like that. Yes, it's like a, a quid uh, pro quo, uh, sexual harassment. Or sometimes uh, they might think that, uh, uh, you know, they need a reference letter for the permanent employment or uh, things like uh, they need to, you know, work harder in other ways to, you know, gain a promotion, right. for example. What about um, inappropriate jokes and, and remarks, which, uh, where, well away from actual physical harassment, but uh, still considered nowadays not acceptable? Uh, yes, this survey also touched upon the nature of workplace sexual harassment, and we found that 61% uh, made sexually suggestive comments or jokes uh, to third parties in front of the victim, and 37.9% made sexually suggestive comments uh, directly to the victim. Mm. 
So these are also covered under the sexual harassment uh, aspect under the SDO. Right. I, I wonder how, as we all become more sensitive, how people are going to make make friends in the office. Um, in the past, a lot of people ended found their mate, their spouse, through office romance. Um, are we going to squeeze that out? Uh, no, no, we're not suggesting that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, I think in terms of, uh, you know, making friends, there's, of course, lots of jokes that we can joke about. Uh, but I mean, in terms of dating, I think in the workplace setting, they would have to be careful in terms of if the person is not unwelcome from a subjective perspective, and uh, they should really stop pursuing the, the lady or the gentleman even. Right, because uh, I get the feeling people are switching to online dating sites uh, simply because there's no question of harassment there. You you see a picture and you swipe left or you swipe right and I'm told, I've not been on there myself. Let's bring in uh, Professor Chan. Good morning to you. Morning. Annie Chan, a board member of the Association Concerning Sexual Violence Against Women. Uh, clearly from this EOC report, uh, sexual harassment uh, remains a major issue, a major problem. What, what should be done about it? Well, um, well, first of all, I want to um, express thanks to the EOC for conducting this report mm. um, on workplace sexual harassment in Hong Kong. Um, and as to what to do about it, I mean, firstly, the findings are not exactly surprising because they're in line with previous studies and also in line with the findings from other parts of the world. So the figure may seem alarming, but actually, sadly, uh, it is not surprising. Um, of course, we could, we could think that in a way it's because people are more sensitive, they're more educated about sexual harassment in the workplace, and therefore they are more able to identify certain behaviors as harassing and unwelcome. So that is as kind of uh, progress in a way as to what to do. I think there are lots of things we could do about it. Um, for example, this survey conducted by the EOC is, plays a very big role in educating the public about what's actually going on and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and how widespread the problem can be. Um, and I think the EOC and also employers and the government can do a lot more in terms of uh, more strongly encouraging employers to take sexual harassment policy seriously, because in the findings of this survey, uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, maybe Doris can correct me if I'm wrong, um, nearly half of all the, uh, the, the respondents in the survey said that their organization does not have um, sexual harassment policy, and also about 50% of them said they are not, they, they simply do not know if there is such a policy, right? So if if this is the case, and uh, and we take, and we want to take workplace sexual harassment seriously, then certainly a move in the right direction would be to more strongly encourage and maybe even in the longer term mandate that employers do have such policies in place and the employees are regularly trained and updated um, about, about such things. Yeah, Doris Choi, yeah, that's a point your chairman was making uh, quite strongly the other day. Uh, Ricky, Ricky Chu, uh, uh, companies that must establish a clear, a transparent policy on sexual harassment and also to make sure that uh, employees uh, have the confidence to speak up. Yes, um, I think Professor Chan and, and what you mentioned just now is correct because that's our first recommendation uh, in from this study. And also, uh, I think... Uh, 
bigger companies should also, you know, lead by example. And that's why in our second recommendation, we also bring in a Hong Kong exchange. Uh, they could consider reviewing the environmental, social and governance reporting guide, ESG guide of the listing rules to include the adoption of an anti-sexual harassment policy as one of the key uh, equality, uh, gender equality strategies. Could I ask about this imbalance between uh, men and women being harassed online? I found that uh, finding quite intriguing. Uh, mm. Is it men harassing other men or is it women har harassing men? Do, do we know? Do we have a breakdown? Uh, we do not have uh, this level of detail, but I think uh, for that figure, uh, because the difference is around uh, 1%, so... Actually, statistically, it, it's not that significant. Right. So, but uh, I think culturally, uh, perhaps you know, the way men and women communicate may be slightly different in terms of men may also sometimes share more photos or videos, you know, through their group chats so, or forums. So that could be uh, one of the reasons behind why more men claimed to have experienced uh, online sexual harassment than women. Okay, as Professor uh, Chan was saying, uh, there, there seems to be greater awareness now, uh, certainly in general or certainly in the workplace, about um, what's acceptable behaviour and what isn't. So um, would you go along with that? Have, have, you, seen, have you seen attitudes changing and, uh, and people just becoming uh, more understanding and, and more aware of, uh, of, of what is and is not proper behaviour? Uh, for us, actually, I think uh, we also do a lot of uh, training outside uh, uh, for companies, uh, employers of different sizes. I think recently from our training request, it shows that uh, sexual harassment is one of their top priorities. They would request this kind of training for their staff or managerial level. So I think this is a good start. Um, and also, um, I think SMEs, um, because they made up the majority of the companies, uh, they might have less resources, but actually on our website, we have a dedicated Compass website uh, with uh, frameworks, how to set a corporate uh, anti-sexual harassment policy. There's, there's tools and resources available that they employers could find from our website as well. And how about legal protection? I mean, we have the Sex Discrimination Ordinance, uh, which uh, uh, is obviously bans uh, behaviour that's regarded as uh, offensive, humiliating or intimidating. Uh, is, it, is, is there enough uh, legal protection, do you think? Um, I think in terms of the definition, is, uh, it, it covers uh, a lot of the sexually uh, suggestive uh, comments or jokes. Uh, but in our report, we also made some suggestions to the government to introduce a positive duty on employers uh, to take uh, reasonable and proportionate uh, steps to prevent and respond to workplace uh, sexual harassment. Because right now, uh, the legislation is worded in a rather passive way that is if uh, uh, the employer can explain you know if I've done training I've set policies I you know I should not be liable for, for sexual harassment but if it introduced in a positive way then the employer would be more proactive in preventing incidents from happening right. I noticed that there's a association Professor Chan is connected with here uh, about sexual violence against women. Is there an equivalent organisation for uh, violence or harassment against men? 
not that I'm aware of, but there are several NGOs in Hong Kong, uh, some of them receiving funding by the government and other organizations that provide uh, assistance to victims of um, sexual violence of all kinds, regardless of gender. And for our organization, we also have services which uh, extend to persons and victims uh, of all genders, such as our, we have a takedown service, um, which is for people whose um, uh, images, uh, pictures or videos have been uploaded onto porn sites without their consent. And our takedown service uh, applies to people of all gender. And actually, we do have cases of men asking for our help in this regard. Because those, those, the ones you mentioned, they would be absolute outright criminal offences, wouldn't they? Uh, not necessarily, because, um, well, I'm not an expert on the law here, but my understanding is that uh, depending on where the where the website is registered or the legal jurisdiction, it's not always um, possible for, for the Hong Kong government or the police to do something about it in these cases. Right. But uh, we find that in many cases when we do approach these websites, these porn sites, and we have uh, authorization from the, uh, the the victims themselves, uh, in many cases, in fact, our success, success rate is very high. It's over 90%. These websites are, are willing and they're happy to comply when, when there is proof that the, the image owner... Um, the actual person portrayed in these videos, they do not have consent for them to be uh, uploaded to these sites. So, talking about uh, sexual harassment, uh, uh, on and well, looking at online sexual harassment. So, what forms do, does this uh, generally take, uh, Doris Choi? Um, I think from this survey, uh, the respondents uh, let us know that around over 55.8 percent. Uh, they, of them receive indecent photos or videos online, and around almost half of them uh, receive uh, suggest, suggestive messages online. So it could be verbal, it could be photos and videos. Yeah. Uh, I see that you did this survey last year. Will you update it every two or three years? Uh, actually, this is one of our biggest surveys before we usually do it by sector. Um, uh, but I, I think it also depends on uh, resources. Uh, but uh, we also had a, actually suggestions uh, for this uh, out of this survey that we would uh, like the government to consider having EOC and also the Census and Statistics Department uh, could collaborate to conduct uh, you know, future territory-wide uh, household surveys. Because right now it's telephone survey, but household surveys, there may be, you know, we can gauge more qualitative uh, data with the persons. The, the survey did find uh, a problem with uh, under-reporting of such incidents. I mean, uh, Professor Chan, do you think surveys like this uh, help to encourage uh, victims of sexual abuse to, to come forward? Um, not necessarily, because in line with other studies that have been done on sexual harassment, especially workplace sexual harassment, um, the, 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 the obstacles to reporting are so huge. They're often so insurmountable from the point of view of the victim um, that, you know, it's often much easier for them to just say, well, to tell themselves anyway that this is not so important, uh, no one will believe me or this will just pass and I will not be bothered by it. But actually our own 
our own research and our, some of our cases uh, from our organization has found that sometimes the, even for victim survivors who are willing to stand up, including uh, approaching the EOC for help, for a conciliation, um, the, the process itself is so arduous and so complicated. It's very often impossible for them to, for, to go through it alone. And with the pandemic in recent times, we found that this is even more difficult because face-to-face conciliation meetings have been changed to a paper or correspondent, by correspondent in the process, which normally would take like three hours uh, over a conversation and in a meeting mediated by the EOC, would actually has taken over three months. So, so the process itself is, is also a problem. So even for people who are willing to stand up, uh, we need the processes to be streamlined, to be made more user-friendly, so that more people can feel that they are empowered to, right. to, to report. Do, do the victims sometimes feel that they might be labelled a troublemaker? That, oh, very uh, much so. Now, even though the, uh, the legislation includes victimization as one of the unlawful behaviors under sexual harassment, meaning right. if uh, uh, an employee is treated badly because of their reporting of sexual harassment, that is actually a crime in itself. Um, not a crime, I'm sorry, but an uh, unlawful behavior. Um, it's actually, very few employees or very few victim survivors were able to make a case out of victimization um, and therefore they of course they're in a very vulnerable position and, and for small medium uh, organizations in particular it's very very easy to find out who actually was reporting uh, and these people may lose their jobs they may be ostracized they may be you know harassed even further and so if there's not enough legal protection for mm. these people then it makes it even it, less likely for them uh, all suggests that Sometimes it would be easier for the victim to just leave that company or organization and move on. Yes, uh, yeah, I think this is what the finding, uh, what this research has found as well. There's some victims who would just simply find it easier to just quit, right? But of course, what this does to them psychologically, financially, and in other ways as well, we, would, we do not know the extent of this, this could, kind of damage. Be, and it's could, also, is there a role here for exit interviews? Uh, I think larger companies would make it a, a standard practice, right, uh, exit interviews. Uh, but I think for because the majority of employees in Hong Kong are not large companies, there are small medium enterprises, this mm. type of thing is, is not really that consequential. Mm. If the company uh, doesn't have a mechanism for reporting uh, this kind of... Uh unacceptable behavior. I mean, what would your advice be to somebody who's uh, experienced sexual harassment? Um, I think the most important impact for victims of sexual, workplace sexual harassment is a strong sense of frustration, strong sense of injustice, and helplessness. And these types of conditions can lead to emotions that will lead to trauma and other kinds of longer-term mental effects. And these are very, very um, undesirable. And as we have seen in our cases, uh, in our organization, it could be the effect as well. So help is very, very important. Of course, they always have a choice whether they actually want to report to the EOC or to the company uh, or even to the police in some cases. They have to know that they have the choice and that they are entitled to be listened to and to be believed and be trusted and not to be um, thought of as a troublemaker. Um, I mean, their decision and their, their feelings need to be validated. And I think uh, in these cases, organizations like ours and also some other NGOs um, in the community can certainly help with that. 
Do you think the problem is getting worse or is it just becoming better known? Um, whether a problem is getting worse, of course, like you said, it depends on people's perceptions of whether this is a problem in the first place. I mean, certainly 50 years ago, you know, patting your secretary on the backside or making sort of new jokes would not be considered unacceptable. But of course, times have changed and our perceptions of what is funny, what is acceptable and not acceptable have also changed. And I think it, it is something that we have to reconcile with, right? Um, and, and it's not actually such a big issue. I mean, Mike mentioned earlier whether you know, does that mean August romance is off limits now? I certainly do not believe so myself because it's not that difficult to ask, well, is this okay if I send you this picture of mine, <laughs> for instance, right, uh, where I'm not fully clothed? Um, it's not that difficult. And if, if somebody, if you send someone such a picture and they said, well, can you stop sending it to me? It is also not difficult to say, okay, I respect your, your, your opinion and your feelings and I will stop sending them to you, full stop. Um, it could be a lot simpler than we think. Could that be regarded as harassment, though, um, asking a colleague for a date? Uh, asking a colleague for a date certainly is not harassment, but if the colleague says, I do not want to go on a date with you, stop asking me, and if you persist, then it then could be is, a case of mm, harassment. Mm, mm, sure. Uh, Doris Choi, so would you encourage um, anybody who's uh, experienced harassment or, or, or what they feel to be harassment to, to report to the EOC? Yes, definitely. Uh, we have a hotline, if I could uh, uh, yeah, say it here. Yeah. Uh, 2108 uh, 2106 2222. That's the inquiry and our officers would uh, guide the complainants or the victims through the process, you know, what they need to know and what information they need to provide to us so that we could help them uh, uh, take them through conciliation and investigation. But I have to say that uh, because I, I understand Professor Chan has mentioned that Oh, there's a, because of COVID, uh, conciliation uh, uh, in the past years, has there, there has been a change of mode. So it might not be as uh, uh, um, direct as before, but uh, hopefully we don't get the six ways and, uh, you know, things would be better in that way. Yeah. Right. Conciliation, is that when you bring the two people together physically and yes. they talk uh, to each other? Well, well, we... We, uh, it, well, it, we, we also depends on both parties' wish because uh, if they want to go on the conciliation route, uh, we would try to help the parties to settle the matter and they could uh, uh, ventilate or, you know, express what they feel about the incident. And we hopefully, after, you know, exchanging views, they could come to uh, amicable settlement. And actually, that's what a lot of parties look for. So we would encourage that. But if it's not successful, we would go into an investigation. All right. It's not easy to do by Zoom, though, I think. Uh, uh, it, well, we, we are exploring new ways to, to, to do that. But uh, right now, uh, it's depend. you know, because sometimes, you know, parties may not prefer this method, you know, maybe mm -hmm. either party, not because you need both parties, right? So um, it, it really needs to take into a lot of things into consideration. I have an email here from a, a listener, Vic, a question. He says, that he, well, he'd like to know if the survey covered uh, domestic helpers. It does, mm. it does, it does. Mm. But uh, as it's, you can see the scope of coverage in terms of online sexual harassment at workplace. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we did not get into very specific uh, demographics uh, for this survey, but they are covered. Mm. Mm. 
So that hotline number again, the 2106 2222? Yes. Uh, okay. Are there any uh, instances where you would uh, recommend uh, people to report cases directly to the police? Yeah? If, if, uh, how, do you, how do you judge the seriousness? Um, I think if it in, in, uh, contains a criminal aspect, for example, very inappropriate physical touches, um, um, to sensitive body parts, I think they should report to the police. Uh, and also, of course, if it's sexual assault, um, date rape, you know, um, then of course, uh, you know, between, for example, colleagues, you know, de definitely, or between supervisors and staff, they should go to the police as well. Mm. Uh, Annie Chan? Uh, yeah, the victim survivors certainly have the choice to Okay, I, I've, I'm afraid, I think we're losing you, uh, Professor Chan. Uh, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Can oh, you hear me? Oh, okay, well, yeah, well, just, just, just now, the line was breaking yeah. up. So, yeah, okay, sorry, please continue. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I think uh, for the EOC to consider cases, there's a time, uh, there's a time limit of 12 months, am I correct, Doris? Uh, yes. But for yes. criminal cases reporting to the police, there's no such time limit. So if a case uh, in, involving sexual assault or physical touching has lapsed the 12 month uh, limit, then the case will only be considered by the police. Have there been any cases of conciliation with domestic helpers and their employer? Yes. Well, in the past, we uh, we have received those uh, cases as well, and we have dealt. But I don't have the exact figures here. Uh, so. Uh, I think for employers, uh, it also applies to, you know, employee relationship within the home setting. So, mm. yeah, that, that's a good point to raise, actually. Well, that, that seems is particularly close, and there, there's nowhere to hide. Uh, you mean for the harasser? <laughs> yes. Well, well, or for both parties. <laughs> tomorrow morning at breakfast, there you are uh, again, so to speak. Yes, uh, I think uh, domestic helpers, they're more vulnerable in terms of their setting, uh, where they could go to. And sometimes if the employer terminates the uh, em em employment relationship, they only have two weeks, um, you know, in Hong Kong before they have to go back to their home countries. So um, there's this time sensitivity element when we handle uh, domestic helpers cases. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you both uh, very much for uh, giving your time and um, sharing your views and insights with us on Backchat this morning. Uh, that was, uh, you heard there from Professor Annie Chan, who's a board member of the Association Concerning Sexual Violence Against Women, and Doris Choi, Acting Head for Policy Research and Training at the Equal Opportunities Commission. Uh, thanks very much to you both. Uh, just a quick uh, email here from listener uh, Nigel says, uh, talking about uh, COVID update, which we uh, were discussing before nine o'clock this morning. You RTHK added to the Kennedy Town panic? Question mark. Well, that certainly wasn't our intention, Nigel. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. Someone um, told me she got two hundred WhatsApp messages about really? Kennedy Town. Really? That well. it, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, an explosion. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess a lot of people live down there and it's a popular area, isn't it? So um, I think a lot of our listeners are based in, 
in that part of town as well. So, um, and well, thanks very much to you, Mike. It's good to be good, back. Good to good to have you back on a Monday again after the last two Monday public holidays. So we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Um, a quick look at the weather. It's going to be uh, mainly cloudy today. Top temperature around 23 degrees. Uh, moderate to fresh northeasterly winds. The outlook, there will be sunny periods and temperatures will rise progressively in the next couple of days.